Welcome to the Parent Ed Podcast by Focus on the Family Singapore. Family life can be crazy and chaotic, so join us as we figure it out together. Hello and welcome to the Parent Ed Podcast. My name is Delia and I'm your host for this episode. In each episode of the Parent Podcast, we will be tackling questions that parents are asking about family life, parenting, marriage, work life and more. We will be speaking with everyday parents and practitioners as they share with us their experience and practical ideas. We hope that you will keep tuning in to learn with us and to grow personally in your journey as parents. Venturing out into the world as a young adult can be a scary and intimidating experience. As parents of a young adult, do we understand what they really need the most? Today, we are here with Cheng, a 28-year-old who has been newly minted into the education field as an educator. Welcome to the Parentnet Podcast, Cheng, and thanks for joining us today. Would you like to introduce yourself so that the listeners can get to know you? Hi, everyone. Uh, I'm Cheng. I'm 28 years old. I just got married last year in June, and I'm very, very happily married to my beautiful wife, Elaine. As Delia mentioned, I'm entering into teaching as a sort of my second or third job after graduating. I guess more on my family would be I live in a single parent household, so I have my mom and my sister. My parents divorced when I was young, around nine years old, and then my dad passed like four years ago. Journey's been rough, but journey's been good. I think I've navigated through a lot of um, lost moments. Wow, Cheng, thanks for really just bearing your heart out with us and allowing us into a part of your life today. You are a young adult, but you have clearly gone through many ups and downs in your life, many transitions of change. Can you just share with us what comes to your mind as you think about young adulthood? I thought of a funny one. So I, I think one way to kind of paint uh, young adulthood would be like puberty part two in the sense where it's a second phase where you are growing, maybe not so much in terms of hormones or physically and all that, I think you still do, but uh, it's an awkward stage for a lot of us, like young adults adjusting to the adulting life, adjusting to expectations. I wouldn't say pressures of society, but expectations of society or like, how do I fit in? How do I behave as an adult? When did I stop behaving like a teenager and more as a dependable person for other people? So. It is an awkward phase of transition, but it's also quite fun because I think as a young adult, a lot of people are very forgiving of mistakes or they can be very understanding with a wide range of things that comes with young adulthood, right? Like we can be rash, we can be impulsive, we can be overly emotional, we can be overly stoic, we can be a bit stubborn, we can be a bit prideful, but I guess it's like part and parcel of young adulthood. I have a very high view of like middle adulthood or like mature adulthood. I think it was a very humbling moment where last time I looked forward so much right to be an adult like hit 21 and then like wow I'll be the champion of the world and then I realized oh maybe 33 years old onwards then I'll be a champion of the world and then I realized that's probably gonna snowball forward like I realized like the well of wisdom is so deep right and it's so ignorant of me to assume that I've hit it. But yeah, so puberty part two. Awkward, fun, forgiving, and it's figuring out a lot of stuff. I really enjoy the humour that you put to it because what comes to my mind is really the phrase coming of age. You know, when you enter young adulthood, there are um, responsibilities that we take on and um, apart from just making decisions for ourselves, we recognise that there are dependents in our lives, right? I mean, it could be our parents, our siblings, even the loved ones that we have, that we are caring for. Um, Apart from that, when we get onto a new job, 
about. There are also people that we they have to be accountable for. And it's no longer just about us and what we wish to do according to our own whims and fancies. But yet at the same time, there's this like burst of energy, that sense of impossibilities out there that we can try and venture out and explore. Um, and it is very exciting, right? Um, let's just say that even now that I'm in my early 30s, I really still think that I agree with you that there's that wealth of wisdom that we are really not quite there yet. And it takes humility to accept that. So much when we look at our life, currently where we are at young adulthood is just a fraction of where the entirety of our lives, right? If we yeah. really have that blessedness to live a long life. When you mentioned coming of age, mm. there was a genre of films in the year 2000, 2010 called, I think mostly American films, but called coming of age films. So some examples would be like Goodwill Hunting, that's one. Or you have Boyhood, you have the Disney movie Treasure Planet, or you even have shows like Avatar The Last Airbender, where it shows a lot of young people coming of age. Mm. So I just thought that phrase was interesting. And I think it's like a milestone, right? That we enter a rite of passage. We have to go through certain trials and maybe even navigating uh, uncertain uh, terrains to discover who we are. Because as you say, you know, puberty part two, I feel it's like also an anchoring of our identity. Right, yeah. Because as a teen, we are like, okay, who, I, who am I? I'm individuating for my family. But then at the same time, in our young adulthood, we discover that, hey, these are my skills, my talents, my abilities. But then how do I fit into a bigger picture, which yeah. is society? So that brings me to my next question. You know, you shared about how teaching is your second, third job. And I would like to hear, you know, how do you even figure out along the way, what do you want to try doing for society? That's a very interesting question because I wouldn't say my journey is the same as most but I think my journey is wild and squiggly enough maybe be a comfort to people who are like going through a time of feeling loss. So I mean my entire career journey was it mostly began with the typical Asian parenting where my dad would say what the economy needs the most is blah 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 XYZ. Get a degree related to that and you'll be set for life. You will never be fired or it will always be easy to find a job. So at the point of time, it's engineering. I think until now, some people still think it's engineering. Very obviously, it's teaching. I'm kidding. <laughs> um, so I think for me, I was quite bent on engineering. Then I went into the army and then they said like, you know, signing on will be a very lucrative career. I'm going to be very honest for the money, but more the stability, the financial stability. I signed on. A year later, I got out of course because of some reasons. But while I was in the army, I signed into the Navy officer. I also, I enrolled for maritime engineering. When I got out of course, I was like, I hate engineering. And my dad went through a meltdown. He's like, how can you? That's the best degree in the world. What are you choosing next? I said, I'm choosing business. And then my dad, I love my dad, by the way. He's like the funniest, greatest person ever and very, very humble. So he was like, no, business is, is a general degree. It's super bad. He comes back to me two weeks later saying, you know, I was driving my cab around. My dad's a taxi driver. Um, I was driving my cab around and I picked up some university graduates and professors and I asked them about your future. And they said pretty good things. So, you know, Ching, I approve of you going to business. Then, a year later, a new course came out in NTU, is Environmental Earth System Science. And I said, I'm going to reapply to Environmental Earth System Science. Then my dad had another meltdown. But the same thing happened. He was in a cab, he asked some professors. He keeps picking up professors, I don't know why. He comes back and says, uh, Oh, you know, Ching, I'm so sorry that I tried to derail you off. It sounds like a really good path. But at this juncture, whatever you choose, as long as you like it, as long as it's something you truly feel convicted about, go. So I went into uni for four years, uh, studying environmental earth system science. And most of my peers who go in, 
Okay, my peers who are hearing this, I'm so sorry if I'm butchering this. Uh. But most of them who go in, you will likely come out as a researcher, a data scientist, or um, some form of analyst. Uh, I went in wanting to have my own TV show, Man vs. Wow. But when I went in there and then I realized, oh, these are not the career options, I was so devastated. But interestingly enough, and I, I think this is where like a lot of people can maybe relate, I discovered that I had a talent for explaining very difficult concepts, very difficult geography concepts into the simplest terms for my classmates. So in that course, one of the best things is we travel overseas twice a year. So we'll go to places like Taiwan, Indonesia, and the best one is America for 40 days. Mm. And I found myself, my classmates would always look puzzled, and then I'll gather them and I'll say like, okay, what is actually happening is, and then I'll break it down into the simplest terms I can. And I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed like making what's difficult seem easy. So I joined a charity called Halogen as an internship to be a facilitator and a workshop conductor for youths. Then I discovered, on top of teaching, I really like youths as well. But I cannot stand planning programs and leadership stuff. I really love helping youths. You know when those like kids that say, oh, I never had my father's approval, but you know, after going through this workshop, I feel like my life got hope again. Wow, I live for that, you know. So when I came out of that, I went to join a social enterprise for a short while. Migrant asked me. I realized also I couldn't do sales, so I realized I couldn't do a lot of things, but I also realized I could do a few things. So my pastor, he uh, kind of offered me some career advice and he said, why don't you think about teaching? And my first response was, nah. I don't know why, I just didn't really have a very good view of teaching. I have a very good view of teachers, but I didn't really have a very good view of the career. I think about a few months later, my perspective changed. So that's when I eventually landed on teaching. Squiggly line, right? Wow, but I think what really caught me was your openness to receive input from the people in your life, whether it's your dad, the mentors in your life, that really helped you to navigate as you try. It's like really trial and error, but there are no wasted lessons, right? Every season, there's something to glean from, and then you discover, hey, actually, I've got a gift here. Yeah, and wow, you're really gifted to be able to look at all those geography things and then break it down mm, yeah. <laughs> for them to understand. La. Yeah, so let me guess, are you teaching geography now? No, I was... <laughs> Everybody asks that question, but um, I, I was posted to teach uh, English and Social Studies. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it really sounds like good fit for you. <laughs> so you mentioned just now your dad. How did he help you along the way? Apart from the fact that he was giving you that sense of assurance that he's going to release you to try it out. I believe there were times of disagreement or just that sense of like, hey, I'm not getting their blessings or maybe even your mom. How, how did it pan out for you guys? Well, I'll say both my parents because I'm very grateful to both of them in very different individual ways. I thought about it. I boiled it down to two essential things they did that was very helpful for me. I don't think they're the only ones. Uh. The first one is stability, and the second one is openness. So the stability one is when, I guess, when I have a parent that I feel like generally in life I can rely on, uh, in terms of being provided for, in terms of having a shelter over my head, it gives me the safety net to go out into the world to try stuff. I won't just say in terms of financial, because my parents were a bit like rough in terms of financial provision at home, but they really gave me emotional stability. I could generally say my parents have got me covered. My parents are very big-hearted people. Their shoulders are broad. I can lean on them. So stability was one. 
that gave me the courage to explore options. So that leads to the second trait, right? Openness. Because, I mean, when kids explore options, the tendency of those who are older and wiser or have certain worldviews is to correct or impose a worldview on them. Let's say your kid says, I really want to marry this girl even though I'm 16 years old. You as an older person would say, maybe you should wait about five more years because your, everything might change. You have certain wisdom that you are lacking right now. So I think it, it makes sense. But I think there is a difference between guiding and forcing. So my parents were people that guided me a lot. They would say, you're thinking about this. Okay, I think it's good because blah, blah, blah. I also think it's bad because blah, blah, blah. And at the end, I disagree or I agree. But they wouldn't force me to follow their decision. They would force me to go and think about it. So I would think about it, uh, although like breathing like angrily like a rhinoceros in my room, right? I would think about it and then I would come back to them with a response and they would pitter-patter back with me. Uh, and we would just chit-chat about that. So I think the stability and the openness was quite good. Hmm. You know, I am really very curious, right? Has there been a time where they came back to say, you know, I disagree? Because just now you mentioned th those two examples were more of like, okay, you know, I... I don't quite agree, but then I came back and then I said, okay, I, I approve, right? But have there been a time where they disagreed and then that was the it, um, but you also still chose to go, you know, in the opposite direction? There is, but it's not on my career. My parents have a very free hold over me. Ever since young, I am the kid that is allowed to sleep over other places. I am the kid that can go out late at night and there's no curfew. When it comes to career and all that, I think they're quite flexy. One dangerous one for future parents listening to this, maybe don't do this. But I once told my mom, hey mom, I'm going to go to Indonesia Rinjani. It's an active volcano and I'm going to hike it alone without a guide and I might die. The flight is tonight. Can I go? I really bought the tickets. La. But I was just like, as your son, I want to honor you. I don't know what I was thinking. La. And my mom just said, she sat down next to me. She put her arm around my shoulder and she said, Cheng, I trust you. Now I went on that trip. I almost died. I came back alive. But years back now, we both look back to that moment and we both ask, what were we thinking? Eh? Allowing me, a 21-year-old, to go overseas alone to an active volcano. My parents were mostly free reign on most things. <laughs> yeah, that was really very candid. And <laughs> I think it's also personality, right? Like, you sound like someone who really just want to take the risk and try it out and then from there learn the lessons. I do hear that you have interacted with some young people and youths. From your observations, you know, what do you think they really desire to receive from their parents uh, when they are making key decisions in their lives? So as an educator, I meet about maybe up to one or two hundred youths a day. The needs vary greatly. Some youths really just need their parents to say, no matter what you do, I believe in you as a person. I may not agree with your decisions, but your value as a human being, you are greatly loved in this family. That's one. Other kids need passion. There are some kids, when you talk to them, right, there is just a boredom to life. There is like a grayness in their eyes when you ask them questions about life. Because life is so meted out, planned out, and I guess mapped out for them in such a way that there's no more freedom of choice. There is just obey and follow the next step. When I ask them candidly, you know, what's the purpose of life? Someone from a more rough academic stream, right, can give me the answer straight away. They can say whether it's their final purpose or not. They can say things like, oh, I want to help the elderly or 
some will be more specific and I want to help those in foster homes or some will even tell me I want to help ex-offenders. But when I ask kids that are sheltered, well-planned, packed with, you know, academics, matters to their neck, what's the purpose of life? Their answer is usually, that's their answer. It's just silence. Because they haven't thought about these things before. Therefore, the second one, I guess, is passion. Like, parents pushing their kids out to say, hey, you know, go discover something. And take your kid fishing. Take your kid rollerblading or rock climbing or... Just do something with them. So, side story, one, one thing my dad did last time was I merely expressed that I like nature. So what he did was he drove me to Jurong Lake Gardens, brought me to the pier and said, look at all these uncles fishing. Then he said, I'm going to ask them a question. So he showed. He said, hey, why are you fishing, blah, blah, blah. And then they answered, say, oh, we're fishing for Tioman. Then he said, okay, now I want you to ask the uncle a question. Think of something. So, I'll think lah, uncle, how you put the prawn on the bait and all that. So the next thing my dad did is he drove me to the nearby fishing store, bought me basic equipment, uh, brought me back to the pier, another empty pier, said, I'm going to show you once. Then he said, okay, I'm coming back for you in two hours time. Doesn't matter if you caught something, just try. Well, that's an end. Well, my father is like amazing, you know, but that kind of led me, after that fishing experience, I remember I went on to try like, three different experiences. Wow. Yeah. I'm just so gripped by how your dad really modelled the whole notion of life experience. Like, you know how life really just throws things at you, like the unpredictability, the spontaneity, the curveballs, right? Yeah. But yeah, at the same time, in that process of just throwing you there at a pier, in itself is a life experience you glean from. And I now understand why you have that risk-taking nature, <laughs> in a sense, because Maybe. you are prepared, you know, to just Give it a shot. And because of that, right, I feel like you have learned, and I'm so encouraged by it because I, I feel like you have actually learned that sense of adventure and just discovery and not being afraid to take risks and make mistakes along the way. So my next question for you, you know, and before we wrap up, is really when parents, well-meaning because they love their kids and everything, they try and prevent their kids from failing. They try and map out all the next steps because they feel like that's their best path forward. The question here is, what were you hoping to receive from them when you experienced the setbacks or the, the disappointments you didn't expect from the life decisions you made? I always use this analogy when I speak with my friends about future parenting and, and my experiences as a kid. It's the analogy of a parent teaching their kid, can be father or mother, teaching a kid to ride a bike. So, what does success look like? To some parents, success looks like I can teach my kid to ride a bike and he didn't fall down at all, he can ride it successfully. To some parents, it is, I just bought my kid a bike and I had no time to help, so I just bought my kid a bike and hoped that they would go and learn on their own. My experience was, my dad bought me a bike, my mom brought me down, and both of them pushed me and when I fell, my hand had grazed the ground quite badly and there was a lot of blood. My mom ran over and said, Oh my goodness! Then she helped to like, tend to it, hug me, comfort me. And my dad just stood at the side. Wow, look at all that blood. And I think that's a, like a beautiful picture of the uniqueness of both roles of a parent, right? I heard this where the mother's role is, I might be wrong, but the mother's role is usually to enforce boundaries or to say, here is the boundary, do not cross it. But when something bad happens, is to rush forward, console and comfort and offer wise counsel as well. The father's role is to push the kid out into adventure, but safely. So in a sense, it's like 
Let's say, in a very tribal way, you put your kid through a rite of passage. You put them in a forest. But the father doesn't go home. He just stands behind the trees and just like watches his kid and makes sure that nothing bad is happening. If there's a lion, it's like, okay, that's too difficult. Let me go and deal with that. But if it's just a stream you need to cross and there's some rocks you might get cut on, then, you know, life is tough. But human beings apparently are tougher. So it is important to fall down and bleed sometimes. But maybe it's not so good to break a leg. But it's good to bleed. La. I read somewhere that the human nervous system is, and the human body is one of the interesting systems called anti-fragile. So fragile is when something breaks easily. Tough, like diamonds, is when something, it's very hard to break it, but once it breaks, it's broken, like diamonds. Uh. But anti-fragile is the more you stress it, the stronger it grows. That's like your nervous system. Let's say vaccines, right? Vaccines work that way. I inject you with something tough, so that your body reacts to it and becomes tougher. And so it's like the human body and our characters. I think parents have to offer that source of comfort, but also that source of like guidance and pushing out into adventure. And I think a lot of grace is needed along that. So just one last nugget. There's this film called The Two Popes. And one line there really struck me how I go about my day-to-day -day relationships. The line was, the truth is vital but without love, it is unbearable. And I think that is like a super important trait in families, right? Like I fight with my sister all the time, last time. But now, I've learned to say the truth with love. That means that sometimes it comes with timing. So you sometimes you don't say certain truths when the person's not ready for it. Or you say it with a very warm and endearing tone. I have yet to find one harsh thing, right? When I say in a warm and endearing tone, the person cannot accept. Most people can accept it. Another thing that comes to my mind is to hear you wrap up, right? Is really how the parent plays the role of a coach. Pushing the child through the rigor, knowing that life requires discipline, perseverance, tenacity, but in the process of going through that, they build resilience in the child's character and ability to have the grit, you know, to experience it. But resilience also in the relationship, because in relationships, you know, as you have put um, accurately, there's going to be tension, there's going to be times of disappointment, disagreements, but a resilient relationship bounces back stronger and says that, hey, you know, I, because I know you care for me, that's why you, you said that to me and you're yeah. supporting me through, even if you're going to have some rough times ahead. Yeah, so thanks so much, Ching, um, for sharing these insights with us. I know you didn't prepare for this, but I thought, you know, since you started out a new career in January and I was wondering whether you can just say a few sentences as a tribute to either your dad or your mom to thank them for how you have journeyed with you through into now your young adulthood. I guess something I would say to my dad and my mom would be who I am today, I owe almost everything to the two of you. I really regret those days that I may not have been the easiest son, but I'm very thankful that you all never gave up. I know parenting is the hardest thing because I'm gearing up for it in two years time. I know parenting is very difficult. So I, I am thankful for everything I am today because of you guys. Thanks, that's very heartfelt. Thank you so much, Ching. And I really hope that to our listeners, you have been encouraged um, by Ching sharing their, his life experiences. And for those who are raising young adults, do not give up. Your sowing to their lives will really bear fruits eventually, even if we may not know it. So I hope that you will feel more confident as you continue to grow and nurture your relationship with your children. For more parenting resources, do visit our website at family.org.sg. 
We hope you can share this podcast with a friend or parent who may benefit from this episode as well. So be sure to catch us on our next Paranet podcast. Until next time, have a great week with your family. Bye!